Hello again, and welcome to the Spirit of West Texas podcast, where we are having real conversations with people who live and work in West Texas. This season, we are talking to small business owners and community leaders about their big dreams. They'll share about their challenges, successes, and even offer some helpful hints for keeping the small business dream alive. Listen in. We hope you'll learn something and maybe have a little fun along the way. Well, hello, Amy. Hi, Jared. Good to see you again. You too, yes. Nice to see you back in the studio. That's right. We have a fantastic guest with us again. Yes, we do. We've had the luxury of having some great guests come through. Uh, This guy is, uh, never met him before, but he is, there's something special about him. There is, and I can say from personal experience that there is something special about him. I've worked with him um, for a number of years on some work that we've done for a foundation here locally, and so I've seen firsthand um, the level of excellence and the dedication um, and hard work that he brings to pretty much every job that he tackles. Mm. Um, we're talking about my good friend Mickey Rogers, who is um, founder and owner of Cafe Venture Company, along with his partner Daniel Stanton, and they have um, 11 Fuddruckers franchises in Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico, making their Cafe Venture Company the largest franchisee within the Fuddruckers mm. and Luby's corporate system. So he's going to bring a different perspective today. We haven't heard from a franchise owner yet. Yeah, and I like I like his spin on it. The franchise aspect of small business is a little bit of a different right it is so nothing to do with his franchise ownership but kind of to do with it so every um christmas and this is really maybe the best part about being friends with mickey rogers so you're gonna want to get to know him yeah yeah you're gonna want to know this list so the best part about being friends with mickey is that every christmas he delivers the best fresh baked loaf of bread from Fuddruckers. It is delicious. And he drops it off at the office. So it makes the most killer French toast. Honestly, if you're a French toast fan, you have to have this bread and you have to have Mickey's recipe for French toast. Making my stomach growl right now. Me too. Yeah, it's a little, it's morning, but it's a little close to lunch. It's brunch time. But I'll I'll, (laughs) I'll take some French toast at lunch. That's right. I'll make that work. Well, that's exciting. Well, you want to jump in? Let's let's get to Mickey. Okay, let's do it. I'm so excited to have you today here on the Spirit of West Texas podcast. You you bet. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah. We're glad you're here. So before you got here, I was telling Jared that you have the best recipe for French toast that I've ever had in my entire life and that you graciously shared it with me a few years ago. Yes, ma'am. We do. (laughs) You know, that's something we are, we started serving our, our, uh, Fodruckers bread Uh and, uh, we were thinking of something, what we could do during the Christmas Thanksgiving time. So we started, uh, packaging it up and delivering it to a bunch of our customers and, it became a big hit, I'm and now you. we're to a point where we deliver during Thanksgiving and Christmas anywhere from four to five hundred loaves of bread. Are you kidding me? No. You hand deliver them? Yes, oh my myself God. and Daniel. <laughs> so I have to tell you, the first year that you delivered that bread to me, you sent two loaves. Yeah. And so um, I used it to make French toast, and I mean, it just went over at the Punch Art House like unbelievable. And so I was telling Mark about it. So the next year, you delivered me French bread again, or, or bread again. So I gave him a loaf and then he did it and he absolutely loved it. And so then I had to tell you, I think, hey, can you bring Mark some bread this year? Because I'm not going to give him any more <laughs> of that bread. And so now he's like, 
do you think Mickey's going to bring that French toast bread by again at Christmas? I'm like, yeah, I think he will. So yes, now he's, I, he's actually called me and asked me, hey, when are you bringing that bread? No, it's crazy. It's so good. I know. I know. So not everybody listening to the podcast, um, they're going to be inquiring about this. We're actually going to include a link to your French toast recipe in our episode notes on our website at spiritofwesttexaspodcast.com. So thank awesome. you for sharing that with us. You bet. So um, I was looking back and reading through some of my notes from a previous conversation, and I see that you jumped from sports medicine to investing in a restaurant company in Albuquerque. What in the world made you, you make know, that jump? You know, I think about that a lot. I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, my, my background at Texas Tech was I was an athletic trainer and got a degree in sports medicine. And uh, when I left Tech, I actually got to go work for the for the Dallas Cowboys for a couple of years awesome. as a grad assistant trainer and came back to Lubbock and uh, ran a clinic for a group of doctors and just you know, was single at that time, making some money and, uh, uh, decided, Hey, we need to do something different and, uh, met some friends and, uh, kind of got the wild hair. Let's Hey, let's go build some restaurants. So we, uh, moved to Albuquerque, uh, Stacy and I did, and we lived there probably eight years Okay, and we built 16 Johnny Carino's restaurants. Yeah. We had El Paso, New Mexico, and Arizona. And uh, we built, I think at the time it was eight Carinos in two years. Wow. And that's kind of unheard of. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll never do it again. <laughs> but uh, we learned a lot. Uh, we invested and some things kind of went crazy with one of our partners with that and uh, didn't turn out well at the end. But we learned a lot of lessons and uh, led us to where we were with, with, with the Fuddruckers. Okay. So. What made you decide to um, jump into Fuddruckers? What was it? Was it was Johnny Carino's a franchise? It was. It okay. was a franchise based out of Austin. Okay. And uh, you know, Fuddruckers, it that was one of our favorite places yes. in, in college. And uh, I tell them before is like you know we used to go there and we'd hang out two or three hours and eat burgers and mm-hmm. drink beer and just have fun. And uh, my parents they'd come from from uh, Crane, and uh, we'd always go to Fuddruckers and eat, and we'd mm-hmm. always eat. Aiden Midland as well when it was when I was growing up. So it just became a spot we liked. And we made some phone calls to the corporate office and said, hey, we'd like to have this territory. And they said, well, that territory is taken, but, you know, the guys that own it may want to sell. So it took about a, about a nine-month process of talking with these guys, working the price out, and uh, we jumped off the ledge and bought seven Fuddruckers. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. So when I mentioned to the bank CEO that you were going to be talking with us today, he was really excited to hear that because um, we have a ton of customers that come into the bank inquiring about franchise ownership. Mm -hmm. And you're the first person that we've had on the podcast that we've been able to talk to about this. So what was it about franchise ownership that was appealing to you? What, what was it that made you decide to do that? You know, for us, it was the, uh, the paint by numbers. Okay. And they kind of give you the, the, uh, here's the menu, here's this, here's that. And all you got to do is go to work. And that, that intrigued us because we knew we had the itch for it. And, uh, if you got a good product and you know how to build it, uh, you, it just takes hard work and you just, you just paint by the numbers and say, you do this, do you do this, do you do this? Here's what it'll take you. So that's kind of what we did with it. So on the flip side of that challenges that you might face for people that could be interested in this challenges is obviously the franchise or, Mm-hmm. Uh, we have gone through four franchisors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gone through a couple of bankruptcies, corporately, corporately went bankrupt, uh, actually going through one right now. If, uh, a lot of people heard the folks, some drugs are closing uh, it's not ours. 
but you know, there it's it's a challenge and egos. Some of these guys got big egos. They think they know it all mm-hmm. and uh, they don't want to listen. But I can tell you, a lot, a lot of these franchisees, we we had some guys when we first bought these seven Fuddruckers. We asked, "Who are your longest owned franchisees that are around?" And they said, "Well, there's." And guy in Dallas that has nine of them. He's been in the business for 20 years. A guy in California has got uh, 10, but he's been in business 22 years. The guy in South Carolina had one, had six, and been in business 30 years. So first thing we did is we called those guys yeah. and said, hey, can we come talk? Get, will, you, will you give us an hour or give us six hours or give us a day? So we drove to Cal- or flew to Cal- uh, California, flew to South Carolina, drove to Dallas, and met with those guys and just picked their brain about, hey, What's worked? What hadn't worked? What would you do different? Just kind of learn from those guys with that experience. Mm-hmm. That's what we learned a long time ago. Is you always talk to those guys that got the gray hair. Yeah, I don't have no hair, but you talk to <laughs> guys that have the gray hair because they've they've made the mistakes, and you don't have to make those same mistakes. Yeah, that's great advice. And you you, you grow from go from it. So um, I helped a friend. This has been several years back. I helped a friend that was trying to open a franchise location here in Lubbock, and it was a boutique fitness studio. And that was really my first experience with working from a marketing standpoint with a franchisor. And what I found that was, you know, frustrating and challenging is that specifically from the marketing standpoint and who they kind of defined as their audience, um, that really didn't match up with our, (laughs) our, our community here and our footprint here in West Texas, the marketing didn't represent what you see here. Um, and they were pretty hard on her about that. Um, and they really wanted her to use their marketing and she couldn't deviate from it. And I felt like they really put her into a box. Have you experienced anything like that with your franchisors? And how, if you have, how have you sort of worked around that? You know, we, we haven't. They've kind of let us do kind of what we want to do. Now, there are some parameters that you need to stay within sure. with, with certain spots and logos and things like that. But they kind of gave us free reign that like we kind of know our our community, we know our towns that we're in. We're we're in New Mexico, we're in Texas, we're in Oklahoma, and you know you kind of you're in those markets already. They're not, so we're in those markets. We know what the community needs, what they're what they focus around, and uh, but I've heard those challenges before, and you just gotta a lot of it sitting down with a franchisor and explain to them. Here's what I see. Here's what I I know that has worked. Can you give us some leeway on some of these items or some of these things that, you know, are, we'll still spend the same marketing dollars, but we feel like it needs to be here and here and not right. the direction you want to go and give. A lot of times they'll, they, they understand that. And you just got to, and that's just building that relationship with, with, with that franchisor. Right. So what are some other questions, maybe some not so obvious ones along the same lines that you would recommend people ask up front so that there's no surprises down the road? You know, a big thing is royalty rate. There's some royalty rates that are really high. Uh, Not to, I don't want to put any names out there, but there's, I've heard 9% royalty rates. I've heard 10% royalty rates, uh, advertising fees, what they are, um, Market size, uh, how many they expect you to build. Uh, there's a lot of places that go out and they'll sell a market just to sell the initiation fee. Knowing that, hey, we're going to sign you up for 25. You'll pay your 25 initiation fees for all 25 stores. And they, they know you won't build 25 stores. Mm-hmm. They're just, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. So don't, I, you know, for us, it was like we just didn't want to build just one. We wanted to jump in with several of them. Because right. we'd had this, had some experience in it. 
Uh, but it's just, you know, I would say ask those questions, but then just build that relationship. That's what that's what you got to do is build a relationship with the, with that franchisor and be comfortable with with uh, the business. Uh, restaurant business is hard. Yeah. You know, we've been told, I can't tell you how many times, in fact, Stacey and I, my wife, will talk about this this morning, how many times we've been told, hey, you can't do this or you can't do that. This ain't going to work. And for us, it was just like, that's all I need to hear. Tell yeah. me, tell me I can't do something. Yeah, and I'll show you. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. And you kind of have to have that attitude, you, you that, that determination and that resilience. Yes. Yeah. That's what somebody asked. Well, how, how can you get up every morning and then go to work? And no, you got to like, well, when you sign that note with the bank on that dotted mm-hmm. line that you're responsible for it, that, that is the motivation to get up that's and right. go make it happen. So other outside of um, doing research and really sitting down and building that relationship with the franchisors, or franchisors, did you have any other resources that you used or that you looked to when you were looking at? Um, Just some mentors. Yes. Going and talking to some mentors. We had an uh, individual actually lives in Midlands, one of our partners. He's built huge businesses sold businesses, um, has been around a long time and just kind of picking his brain on, here's what we're thinking. Here's what direction we want to go. What are you, what are, what are your thoughts? How would you do this? Or how would you do something different? Or, you know, do you, what do you see this business like in five years, 10 years? I mean, what are some of the trends that you're seeing? And then just asking, uh, if you're looking at a franchise, like ask them, ask the franchise or is there, is there some franchisees that we can talk to? Mm-hmm. before you jump into it and ask them what what's the two things that you'd have done different what's the oh, two things that you'd question. have done uh that you'd have maybe done different done different or been a bigger part of your business and that's it's for us it was like okay these guys will say well you need got to do catering well we said okay how do you cater so they started telling us well first thing we want to do is go buy a trailer it's like that's the last thing you do <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't need that stuff yet so just asking those questions from those franchisees that are already out there that's got the experience that you can learn from, that you don't, like I said, don't have to make the same mistakes that, that they might have made. So let's switch for a second and talk about 2020. You may not want to. Okay. Let's talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about it. It was a hard year for everyone, um, for every small business. But I do feel that, um, you know, restaurant owners and bar owners and really anyone in the service or hospitality industry, I mean, you just were hit yeah. really, really so what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced last year as a result of the pandemic? Well, there's, we're still got challenges. We've yeah. got, actually, we have uh, four stores in New Mexico that uh, our lovely governor there in New Mexico still has closed. We mm-hmm. just found out, my drive over here, I got a text that said, uh, we can now open up at 25% in, indoor dining. So it's hard for, I mean, it could do, it could change in two weeks. You, you don't know right. just with the way things are there, but you know, for us, it was the challenges where we all of a sudden we had to change the way we thought. Uh, you know, we, we our clo- restaurants closed and uh, when we opened back up. It's like, hey, what do we do? What do people need? And I, you hear people like, well, they couldn't get bread. They couldn't get meat. They couldn't get eggs. They couldn't get. So all of a sudden we went from being a restaurant to we actually turned ours into like a grocery store, local grocery. So we sell them bread. We were selling 100, 200, 300 loaves of bread a day in, we were selling. In New Mexico? No, in Lubbock, okay, in okay. Waco, in Corpus Christi, in Midland, Odessa. We set up a drive through where you could drive through and place your order. We'd get a loaf of bread, 18 eggs, 
you need some flour, you need some beans. That is Whatever incredible. Whatever it is, we just decided it's like, and we call, we called our food supplier and said, here's what we're needing. Yeah. And then it got to a point where there was a shortage of hamburger or meat. So we called our, our guy and said, hey, we need all the meat we can get. All of our meat that we had that was coming, we're going to take it. And we started selling raw hamburger. Oh, my God. That is the most innovative so thing. So you just got to, yeah. you got to just, I mean, it's like punch and weave pivot. and pivot yeah. and turn. And, and you know, as, and as, as that grew, uh, we actually had some food trucks in our trailers. And we decided, you know, there's some places like we went out to Tahoka, we went to La Mesa, we went to New Home, went to Shallow Water. And set up and let people know, hey, we're coming out here to mm-hmm. Shallow Water. We'd like to feed. We're going to have hamburgers. And we'd have people lined up, socially distanced, but lined up. <laughs> wearing a mask. To, wearing a mask. Yeah. And we'd, come, we'd, we'd serve hamburgers. And we'd, we'd, we'd go and sell out. We'd sell out in Tahoka. We'd sell out. We went to, I think we went to O'Donnell. We went just wherever we could go. In New Mexico, we went to Los Lunas. We went to uh, Rio Rancho, Santa Fe. And took our food trucks, went out and served people. So... How, what, what could, what did that conversation look like? How did you get there? It was a daily conversation. Actually three to four times a day. We met, we actually had a phone call every day with our, with our general managers. Okay. What's working, what's not working, what's selling from the grocery store side, what's selling, what doesn't sell. Mm -hmm. What do we need to change? What are people asking for? Uh, You know, it's just trying to figure things out. It was like a, a daily update where things at because we get our sales every morning at 5 a.m. So we know where we're at. We know how Lisa sales we had or more. So, I mean, at that time it was like, that's all we're doing. Yeah. So it's one of those deals where like, you know, we got to increase it. And, and we told our guys, we're like, this is good. This is hard. But we, our, our guys know this It's for us. Hard is what we do. If it's, if it's hard, we're going to do it. So it was hard on them. But, uh, we had some guys that, and this is where you find your players. This is when you find the guys that are really dedicated and step up. And and we had some guys that stepped up. And some guys been with us for nine, ten years. Mm-hmm. They stepped up and worked their tail off, and and uh, they're still with us today. And they made it. They made it happen. Mickey, this whole idea for this podcast stems from um, a local restaurant, um, a local small business that that was a customer of the bank, and they they did not make it through 2020 and COVID. And I was, you know, from a marketing standpoint, looking and observing businesses, um, you know, restaurants, boutiques, whatever, just and how they were adapting and the creativity and and how they were pivoting. And it just made me think, you know, why why couldn't they have done that? What conversations weren't weren't happening Um, that they couldn't, you know, stick this thing out, write it out. Um, So for you to have done it so well is extremely inspiring. What would you say to people listening that are um, still trying to figure this thing out, still trying to muddle through everything? Um, where do they start? They, they need to pivot. Where do they start? Listen to the guests. See what their guests are telling them. Um, you know, get out and find out what's, what's the need in their, in their community. I mean, where, where is there a, a void that you can help, mm-hmm. help with? Talk to your banker. Say what? What are some success stories that your other other restaurants are having, yeah. or what some sex, sex stories that other other businesses are having, and learn from that. Ask questions, and uh, I mean they can call me. I mean call Daniel. Uh, you know we've seen it. We're not the best. We never uh, think we are, but it's one of those deals where we talked about it every day. It's like what do we need? What do our 
our customers need, what do our employees need, and uh, they'll tell you. They'll say, "Hey, here's what's working. Here's not what's working." You know, I, I was um, I was going through your website in preparation for this discussion today, and um, I saw that one of your core values is service. Um, I was going to ask you how was that value reshaped by the effects of COVID in 2020, but I mean, it you clearly well, that's what we do. I mean, we we always talk about that, the the servant leadership. It's yes. Like, our guys, it, like you look at our home office and we tell people there's a lot of businesses, their home office are just extravagant and all this different stuff. Mm-hmm. Ours is not. That's not where you make your money. Your money's made at your stores. Your money's made with, with your, your employees, mm-hmm. with your people, your managers. That's where the money goes to. It mm-hmm. doesn't go to your home office. It doesn't. I mean, I've got a Hummer I've been driving for 12 years. Yeah. Everybody's like, it's got 363,000 miles on it. I'm like, why don't you get something new? It's like, why? Yeah. I mean, I'd rather have my money in our people. Yeah. So that was just, you serve, we're here to serve them. They're there to serve the guest. Well, I tell you what, I have read on your website about your values and what you stand for and your mission. I mean, you certainly are living up to that. And the stories that you shared with us today certainly express that and reflect that. Um, in addition to running a thriving business, Mickey and his beautiful wife, Stacy, who he's mentioned a few times, who's also an entrepreneur, um, with her incredibly successful real estate business through Keller Williams. Y'all have three children and you're extremely active in the Lubbock community. So like a lot of small business owners, I feel like you've always got a ton of uh, balls in the air at the same time. I'm just wondering, um, what is your, what did you, for you and Stacy, what is your personal philosophy that sort of gets you up and keeps you motivated day in and day out to manage all that you're managing? It's a team effort. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, a lot of times we've got, I mean, our kids are, 21, 19, and 17. We got two in college, one uh, in high, junior in high school. And it's, I mean, I say slow down a little bit, but we're in, we're in the middle of baseball season with him, and there's something going every day, every night. Something's, something's going on. And it's for us, it's just tag teaming it. We can't always be at the same place at the same time, sometime, or a lot of times. But for us, it's just, you know, when we're there, we're there. Uh, and I know, and she gets a call. I mean, I, I know it's important. It make it mean. She goes, well, I don't work on Sundays unless somebody wants to sell wants to sell a million yeah, dollar house. I work, right. on then I work on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> so it's we know for us, it's a twenty four seven job on what we do. And uh, but we know we 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 do take vacations. We take some time. But you know, a lot of times we'll we might work from eight till ten thirty in the morning. Make phone calls, get stuff done. And then from then on, it's like we're with family and doing mm-hmm. things. But and our, our kids know it, too. I mean, our son, Brock, he's going to school, playing baseball. But then he gets to his practice, he's got to go put some signs for Stacy. So he's a, he's the sign guy. Yeah. He puts all the signs it's up. It's family business. family business. And then when Dallas is back home from the summer, he's the sign guy. He does 3D tours for her and yeah. picture, all that different stuff like that. So it's kind of a family business. My daughter works for my wife now, Stacy. Mm-hmm. So... She did work with at our office and kind of got bored and was like, I need something different. I need people that are going to talk to me and yes. be around more because we're always going and, and uh, out, out of the office. But uh, it's been good. It's The family knows it. Family, It's a family business. Uh, but I just say it's, it's a team effort. We both work at it, and we, they, we both understand our jobs, and it's, we're, we're, there, we're there to serve the people. So one of my very favorite Peloton instructors— <laughs> She has given me one of my very favorite quotes, very favorite quotes. She says, how you do anything is how you do everything. And I just really feel like this sums you up in a nutshell. I mean, you are the very best in all that you do in your work and your home life and in your, your servant leadership and the work that you do outside in the community. So 
Um, I just want to say thank you so much for trusting us as your financial partner and for um, being with us here today and for your friendship and encouragement of me these past few years. So I appreciate you very much You're being the best. here. Oh, thanks. You know, that's, we've, thanks. Uh, working with you, it's like I, I knew when I we were at the foundation, it was like, when I get ready to hand it off, that was the, you were the only only one that I knew that could oh, take it and run with it and lucky keep me. building it. Yeah, <laughs> lucky you. <laughs> but you've done a good job with it. Thank you, thank you. So, what, I'm just curious. So, what is next for Cafe Venture Companies? You know, we're looking. Uh, we talked about that today. We're there's there's an opportunity that uh, I can't really say. Sure. What was going? What we're doing right this second? But there's some other. Uh, concepts we're looking at or some other businesses we're looking at um we've got uh my wife continues to build a strong business uh i'm gonna i've got my commercial license now so i may put, put my hand in some commercial estate stuff too as well so we'll see how that goes uh we've got get one more son graduated mm-hmm. high school and he's got a ba- baseball scholarship offer to go play at university Good. of new mexico yeah. Good. So we'll be traveling probably quite a bit with him, playing baseball, and spend some time more more time out in Albuquerque. So, you know, it's just uh, continue to grow, continue to serve people, continue to uh, help the community. Lubbock, Lubbock's been great to us. It's a people ask you why do you live here? It's like it's a great place to raise kids. It's a great place to be in business, it's right. and it's a great place that people support you. And so it's a uh, we love it. Well, we're so glad that you're here. And again, thank you so much for being here, Mickey, and for sharing your story with us. And tell Stacy we said hello. I will. Thank okay, you, guys. Take care. Well, Amy, uh, Mickey is quite the guest, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is. It's nice having him in the studio. I know. He's a go-getter. He makes you feel lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe we want to get out and kind of figure out my next steps and, right. and finding some new plans. Uh, I think something that I got out of, uh, out of this thing is that he, we talk about the spirit of West Texas and I swear this guy screams the spirit of yes, West Texas. Uh, the fact that he went through the pandemic and quarantine and all this stuff. And his first thought to his head was it wasn't, it wasn't my business. What, what am I going to do about my business? It was what can my business do to help the community? That's right. That's some spirit of West Texas right there. That, yeah, it that is. You, you don't find everywhere else. That's right. And, um, you know, his ability to adapt. Okay, mm-hmm. I can't I can't serve. I can't run my business as usual. It can't be that way for me. So so what can it look like? Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't stop. He just kept going. Yeah. If this guy feels like a guy that I could sit down and just have a beer with and just kind of sit and chat with. And he says, he says in the, when you asked him about what would you tell other other people starting out he actually said look call me yeah and that's what he did that's his the steps that he made to further his business and probably steps that are not normal to opening a franchise he went to other franchisees and asked them what are their what are your ups and downs what kind of pitfalls did you run into and he is more than welcoming people doing the same thing to come and talk to him right there's something about a person that can do that in a way that, uh, again, it's just the spirit. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, a great reminder to people that might be interested in franchising a business, you do not have to take just the word of the franchisor. Like mm-hmm. he said, you know, he went off on his own. He did his own research. He talked to people that had been there, done that. He um, found mentors. 
older mentors that, that he could look up to and that he could ask hard questions and expect to hear the truth from. And I yeah. think that is a great piece of advice for anybody who's considering franchise ownership or, you know, starting a business. And that's not the first time that we've heard that idea of finding a mentor on this mm -hmm. podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he definitely took advantage of it. Mm -hmm. That's right. So we have some highlights from our conversation with Mickey about franchise ownership, as well as his recipe for the incredible French toast that I talked to you about early on in, in this episode. Um, in the notes from this podcast on our website of spiritofwesttexaspodcast.com. All right. We'll catch you on the next one. Take care. Bye.